bottom of the Smash Mountain. I would like to thank my patron supporters over at patreon.com slash bsmpod for continuing to support me and what I'm doing. Special shout outs to my senior producers, Got Ventus Official, and also my mom and dad. Shout outs, love y'all. And if you want to be part of a FOB controller giveaway, you should listen to more of this episode and not immediately disappear after roughly however many minutes you get it. YouTube retention. Who doesn't love that? But what I love more than YouTube retention, it's a lot of things. But at the top of the list today is that we have Unsure, legendary TO, now retired, now all gaming, all all play, no more business. But to sort of wrap that up just a teeny bit and add maybe a little bit of the extra behind the scenes look from the amazing twit longer that you put out to sort of capture the whole experience which was a great read anybody should go to unsure's twitter which we'll be sure to plug a bunch of times but at a biscuglia it's one of those names that if i saw that on twitch i would go oh i'm so sorry i'm about to butcher this but unsure thank you so much for joining me thank you for having me i appreciate it i think there's, there's like a bunch of different ways that I could sort of lean into like asking the, about the, the retiring thing, but maybe the best way is to sort of talk about when, when you decided that it was going to be time to say, I no longer want to have my main focus of Melee be through TOing. It's, it, there's, there's probably a thought a long time ago, even before you decided to actually start making moves to get in the direction of letting go of all the operations that you were responsible for, all the things that you did. So would you say that this has been on your mind for, for more than a year or many years, or how would you describe that feeling in particular? Sure. Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. This is awesome. I've, I've, I've seen the podcast a couple of times and, uh, you know, I've seen Cadence on it before, just a couple other, you know, notable people on it. So uh, I really do appreciate having me on it. Um, but but yeah, I, I mean, it's the journey has been kind of forever is the uh, the short the short of it. Uh, <laughs> the longer of it is that I always wanted to contribute to the scene in some kind of tangible way. Uh, a little bit of backstory that Larfin touched on kind of in a little article written in the Chicago Melee uh, website was uh, I've always been like, I want to give back in some capacity. And it started with Yu-Gi-Oh! Um, the Yu-Gi-Oh! scene. Uh, doesn't really have a very big community drive like effort to it. There's not a lot of volunteering involved in it or possibilities for you as a community person to just contribute, right? You just kind of play the game or you buy and sell cards or whatever. Uh, the stuff that is done like managing um, like local tournaments or regionals or nationals, that's all either done through a local tournament store or through Konami itself. Uh, and when I moved on from Yu-Gi-Oh to Melee, I was like, okay, well, it's all grassroots. This is a great opportunity to be able to do that. And when I first started like joining my scenes events, I was just like, okay, I want to do this more and more. Uh, and it just became something that I, I kind of, I really fell in love with pretty quickly. I realized that it was a way that I could meet more people quickly. Uh, and it was a way that I could give back to something that I had enjoyed watching for a little while. Um, but to answer the question more directly, uh, Probably the real definitive time that I wanted to start when I knew 100% that I wanted to compete almost all the time was after I'd become PR'd already. Um, like I had just become ranked in Chicago and I think I debuted at like 19 on a 20 person PR, right? <laughs> uh, so I was like, okay, I can do it or something like that. Uh, 
And at the same time, Roe, who is the head TO organizer of Chicago, had left to go to SoCal. Um, and we needed someone else to run our tournaments. And coincidentally, I was like, well, I have a little experience. You know, I've been helping out already. Maybe I can just take over. And that was kind of the determining factor was like if, if someone didn't take over and I felt like I could take over, if someone didn't do it, we would not have local tournaments in the city of Chicago. So I felt like rather than kind of abandon that, I was like, well, I will put this on the back burner a little bit and just help organize as well as play melee as best as I can. And then, you know, over time, as I got better and better, was like, oh, man, I really want to play. I really want to play. I really want to play. But my events were, you know, people received them well and enjoyed them. So I was like, well, I can't stop this now. Uh, so a couple years, I mean, at least three years. <laughs> Four years. From, from the very <laughs> beginning, it sounds like you were going, well, I'll eventually get out of this. I'll make some <laughs> soft plans. Just do this for a couple of months. Really, somebody's going to come by and make this happen. But then you're starting to find out, oh, everybody's just assuming that Unsure is going to do it. I guess this is just my thing now. Yep. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so you were talking about how you sort of had a warm up with, it sounded like you were saying, and okay, I just want to make sure I'm getting the details right. The Yu-Gi-Oh part of this, is this what you're going into now? Or was that the first start of helping to make things happen? That was, that was the very beginning. Right. Uh, so I okay. played competitive Yu-Gi-Oh. And then we, we lost our local scene. We lost our local tournament. And I was friends with the people who ran this Yu-Gi-Oh tournament. And because of that, I told our Melee organizers, we should go to this Yu-Gi-Oh venue and they'll let us play Melee here. And that's how we made Near Mint Games. And I took that over eventually and here we are now. <laughs> and it's something that uh, definitely resonates with me is that in 717 Melee, Central PA, there's... It's a, it's a big enough state that saying Central PA, you could you could reasonably say is like a 200-ish mile radius area because, like I said, Pennsylvania big. But we <laughs> have no events happening specifically in Lancaster County, which is Amish country. If you've ever talked to somebody like Gumball, uh, Gumball yep. comes from PGH, but Gumball's been all over the state. So shout out to Gumball, first of all. But there's... There's, there's been no events that we've been able to have since the end of 2021. We obviously, mm -hmm. because of COVID, not so much a thing. And then in the beginning, sorry, the middle of 2021 during the summer, when things were starting to come back a little bit, we, we looked for a venue for months before finding something. And now it's the same way again. We don't have a venue. We can't get one. And this earlier, this, this, uh, I would say about May, or maybe the beginning, the beginning of May, the end of April, I said to the, our head TO, we just need to make something happen. I feel like if we do something, it'll, it'll lead to more things. And the only thing we can do is run an online event. I'll, I'll help make sure it happens. And I go to myself, wait, I'm becoming a TO. I'm, I'm, this, is what, <laughs> this is how it happens. I say, no one's going to do it unless mm -hmm. somebody has to be the Kickstarter, if you will. And yep. because I host the podcast, I have to ask people on, I think I've only had two or three people who invited themselves on and I went, Oh, okay. Do you want to do it on this night? And they went, great. Sure. So it involves coordination there. So I go, well, I could probably help coordinate an online event. So that's what we've been doing for the past month, having wow. online events. And once you know it, somebody who's excited about the fact that we have online events again for one of the universities in Lancaster said, Oh, we're going to get to be able to have tournaments on campus during the school year for, you know, IRL events. So they're coming back in the fall. So we go, Oh, that's awesome. This is great. And it, 
<sighs> but at the same Look time, yep. mm-hmm. again, it's that it's the it's the fire starter, the the Kickstarter sort of an idea. And I talked to Deer recently, who TOs yeah. Battle BC with Gallant Gaming, all that fun stuff. And Deer is, I would say, in the peak of running tournaments, making it happen, being excited by it, imagining all the different possibilities, trying to innovate, trying to make them big, bigger and better each time. And then there are people like Aiden Calvin and, and yourself where you go, this is the end of the line. Or, or other TOs who are circling the drain. Oh, I should say, of course, big, big shout outs to Ryobeat who made the yeah. nightclub happen in, in, in endless ways. Eight different jobs more or less that putting out there and saying all right somebody needs to do all these things because i did all these things myself yes right big shout outs to ryobeat and and big shout outs to you i'm excited to hear more about the things that you liked doing and maybe didn't like doing as much but it's just that's that's the lesson that i'm learning now on a much smaller scale and even though it's really really fun it just it it comes down to who wants to make it happen. And if you want to make it happen, you can't be the person who says this should happen. You have to be the person who says I will make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a bit selfish almost to think that way, but you just kind of have to be right. Cause you have such a passion. You is in a TO, right. And you can totally understand this in some way, right. It's like you have a vision, you have an idea of what you want something to look like. And that kind of just, goes into how do I make this happen? And it's like, well, if no one else is going to do it in the exact same way that I have the idea, I got to make it happen. Uh, and you just kind of roll with it. And you end up 100 million podcasts later, you know, a million tournaments <laughs> ran later. So it's like, it's look at where we are now. So <laughs> so I don't know if if feeling proud or, or feeling or feeling accomplished is is the right feeling at all times to have about the time that you spent TOing in Chicago. But do you feel like you can put that into the overall experience or is there another word that you feel is more true to what your experience actually was? It's kind of like a weird feeling. Melancholy is really the only way that I can put it right now. It's bittersweet. Uh, I, I really... I mean, it's looking back at it, it's like these last five years, it's like I was in college when I first started this. I don't I didn't start Melee until I was in my 20s. Like, um, I know some people that started when they were, you know, they were young. It's like I'm 27. Right. It's like I'm older ish now compared to other people in the scene. But like just a very unique, a unique, a unique time to really start running events. Um, So it's like these were these were years where I was, you know, graduating school, getting my first job all while trying to balance all of this. So like looking back at it, I was like, man, that was awesome. But in the time it's like, oh my God, this is stressful. Like this is so much to balance. This is a lot to work with, but um, you know, it's still fun. And I think it's going to be like that for a long time. I I still, I I really, I do enjoy organizing and running events. It's just that it is outweighed by my competitive drive to improve and to just be better. So it's, I, I could see kind of as uh, like uh, as cliche as it almost is is like a until we meet again type of deal with toing uh <laughs> so it, it'll it'll happen again it's just eventually <laughs> right and you have a few commitments but i'm interested to hear about the, the competitive stuff because yeah. i think 
uh, a great way to experience melee is through the is through the competitor's perspective. It, it also can be extremely frustrating, and you go, oh, why does it have to take so much time and practice to become good at melee?" But you're you're also talking about being uh, being able to flow the compute competitive juices in general. Uh, it's important to note it doesn't say no more toing only melee at the end of your twit longer. It says only <laughs> gaming. So. What other games besides melee? We'll start. We'll start there. What other games are you are you into? Are you trying to scratch the competitive itch? Uh, that is a good question uh, and good catch. Um, <laughs> the answer is still probably melee. Melee is a it's a selfish lover. It's uh, <laughs> it, it, it can there's only one. It's jealous. It there only can be one melee. It's checking your phone. It's doing all this crazy stuff. It's like I saw you playing that competitive. I saw you you know I saw two extra hours of CS:GO today. It's like <laughs> you're right. My bad. I'll come back. It's like oh yeah. good call. But and it's like I gotta go back to melee. So <laughs> really, melee is the only one that it's really gonna do. Um, that it's gonna be the focus on. Uh, but. I'm sure I'll have just a little bit more time to experiment with other games in general, right? Like when you're organizing events, uh, and I'm sure we, we, you know, we can touch on this later, but it goes so much deeper than just running the event the day of, right? Like this mm -hmm. is, you're organizing a scene, a community, like um, more than just, you know, the event. So it's like you have to be available essentially 24 hours of every day for weeks or months or years on end because players are messaging you at two in the morning hey andrew this happened this last time i need you to fix this can this happen for next time also remember that good luck this 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 um and so it's it's a lot to balance and now kind of with that more or less weight off my shoulders it's like i have mental capacity to free up for other things so leaving it open-ended is kind of a a fairer way to myself that i can kind of say okay you can you can look at other things you can explore melee in a different way or maybe even another game but i definitely do not see myself going anywhere but to melee for the foreseeable future so for the for chicagoland melee how how long do you think they have until they start shaking in their boots and realizing unsure is <laughs> is now starting to make make some upsets start to take it down some of the people on the pr that are there now skurzo are you watching your back so uh, i only know skurzo is one of the top ranked <laughs> competitive players in chicago this is something that i would love to love the idea of you kind of talking me through players that you have an eye on but are you hoping to be able to in a, in a certain way make up for what you might say is lost time because i've i've gotten into melee later in life as well i'm 26 so i'm not a, so like we're we're on the older side, uh, young young to, guy over here. Uh -huh. Compared to the compared to the ten year olds or the fourteen year olds that are getting into yeah. melee, which is a great right. sign, by the yeah. way. I shouldn't be upset. No one should be upset that fourteen year olds like this game because in ten years they'll be top players that we all love watching and seeing them That's succeed. Right. So I'm not saying that, but what I'm saying is is that <laughs> you 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 look at those people and you know that the 14 year old has so much more time and, and less responsibilities that they could just play melee all day, every day, and they might be able to make progress faster or the pros who have already put in the time, somebody like Skurzo, who I don't know how old Skurzo is, but just putting in the time and is now a, a nationally known player because of being able to go out to big events and, and reach the top 32s or top 16s and push for top eight. So that's really cool. But then you look at yourself and you say, okay, well, I've TO'd and I made super sick events. That doesn't help me get really good at melee. 
but I want to get good at melee hopefully sooner rather than later. But do you try to put yourself onto a timeline or do you only say to yourself, I just have to take this one day at a time? Yeah, there's no timeline. Uh, there's, I am in no rush really. Uh, but I think I'm, I'm in a unique position where before I was really taking like TOing super seriously, I was already, I had the right mindset, the right mentality in order to improve. Like I had said, uh, just before I had really started taking TOing seriously, I was 19th on the PR. Uh, the next season I was 15, uh, no, the next season I was 12th or something like that. Uh, and then just up and up and up. And I've like, I've peaked at fifth on Chicago PR. Um, and that was all on controller. And then near the beginning of this year, I've switched over to box completely. So it's, it's been, I'm relearning melee in a couple different ways. Uh, mm. so not only am I relearning melee as a competitor, because this is the weirdest part, honestly, uh, with a TO and all you TOs out there, will understand exactly what I'm talking about. When you are at an event, your ears are never focused on the game or your music. They're always listening to stuff in the background of like, oh, I heard this player doing something like, oh, I got to go take care of that or something like that. It is so hard to focus on the match itself because you're trying to balance so many other things. So oftentimes this last event that I was going to, my sole focus was to just focus on the game. Like, I don't care how I perform. I just need to focus on the game and that's it. I cannot let anything else in the background distract me. Um. And so that's going to be something that I'm going to need to relearn how to do effectively. Uh, in terms of anyone else that's, you know, ahead of me or, you know, has surpassed me, it's like, no, it's, it's awesome. And in a way that I'm going to, I'm going to partially take credit for some of the local guys that have done that because I was able to give them those opportunities locally um, to do that and to see some of their success. So now I can guilt them and be like, hey, listen, I gave you a tournament for five years here. It's like, you owe me some matches here. So, you know, if, <laughs> if I want to play Skirzo at two in the morning and I message him, he better pick up that phone. So, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, it's it, it's like that for a lot of things, right? Like as a TO, you're kind of, um, you kind of get the ability to network and make a, a lot of connections, right? I've, I've had so many you know, top players or just local great players or other local TOs that could connect me to someone else and have opportunities that I might not have had as a player on that come up. Um, so I'm in, a, I'm in a unique position for sure where I think I have all of the opportunities to reach out to someone and get uh, experience or practice or go to an event that others might not have. So I'm not really too worried about a timeline. I'm not worried about taking it too quickly or too slowly. I think that I'm poised to be in the right position, especially to start making upsets. Even uh, as the box, I've I've beaten handfuls of PR players. I'm probably just on the fringe of that PR level currently with box. Uh, but I think in another three to six months, uh, we'll be pretty much back up to speed. And especially now as a full-time competitor, there's nothing really stopping me from full practicing just box and really getting down to it. Well, what about the IRL stuff, you know, the, the, the personalized stuff, the working, the job and the whatnot for, for me, aside from doing the podcast stuff, I have, I have two kids. I was telling you earlier, I had to clean up after six because we had four extra oh. kids in the house earlier this evening. Wow. And then they left. Thankfully, two is good. <laughs> Two's a good number. And, That's <laughs> and so it's like, uh, it's like a whole thing after you come home from work is, is, is time with family and then trying to do this and all of that fun stuff. And I feel after a certain amount of time, oh, I should play Melee itself. 
and it's it's hard to get in what I feel is quality practice, especially since I too am uh, practicing on on the box. Shout outs to PK Smokey for helping me get one. <laughs> Go check out Eternal Project if you're looking for a new nice. graphic novel thing to get into. Um, so I'm thinking about I'm thinking about that, and you are not having to do the tournament stuff anymore. I guess in my case, it would be like stopping podcasts all altogether and just focusing on practicing melee. But what's your favorite way to make time for, for the game since you have to do your other obligations, the, the regular adult life stuff as well? Sure. Yeah. So it's like, I, I work full time eight to five every day. It's like, I have a, I have a girlfriend. Um, I'm still, you know, a community organizer in some different capacity, right? I'm still preparing for Riptide, still preparing for us from other events. Uh, so it's like my, my schedule is still packed, but I'm able to find time. Luckily, I have people in my life that really want to play Melee. Luck, somehow with me, they want to, so that's, that's really mm -hmm. nice. I have, I have some roommates that also play Melee. Uh, and so it's, you know, at a lunch break, hey, run a quick best of five. Or like, I'm off of work at 5, 5.30ish, like, just I'm going downstairs, the CRT, I already hear the hum by the time I'm walking down the stairs. So it's like, it's like, all right, it's time to play. Uh, so it's like, find the time uh, and you can structure it effectively. That was something I became accidentally very good at while TOing. It's like, I still had a competitive drive. It's like, how do I find this time to practice? And it's like, you, you start to realize that 15 minutes is worth different than someone else's 15 minutes. So it's like, if I only have that time, it's like, what, what do I do to make use of it? It's like, maybe only tech skill right now. Or... Uh, I watch tech or like I, I'm doing tech skill while watching like VOD of like Leffen versus IBDW or something, something right. Like I, I watch something while doing another action and practicing. It's like so you really make use of the small time that you have uh, and it just you become really good at those micro efficient things and then hope it works out. <laughs> You were talking about planning for Riptide. I think it would be cool to talk to you about the Riptide of last year because if you were the head tier for that, that means that this was the first big event back from COVID. There was Smash Summit 11, which was invitational, and you don't have to necessarily <laughs> worry super duper hard other than the fact that people are coming around from, from all around the country, all around the the world, you, you, you don't necessarily say, oh, we're just going to be super okay because it's a smaller number of people. But what I'm getting at is that I remember when Reptide was announced, and I think it was around, I want to say it was around March, but it might have been even a little bit later. I think it was during a Gallant Melee Open online event mm -hmm. thing. Yep. Reptide is is happening in September. It's a major open bracket, and it's yep. in person, and we all went, <laughs> at long last! <laughs> And then it, 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 it hit the limit for registrants right away. Everybody's registering to go right away because they're going, let's get back to IRL Melee. And you go, well, this is a unique problem. I've never had this problem before. I mean, I'm, I'm being somewhat sarcastic, but I think that might actually be true. That, that was, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's a, a good segue into that. I mean, we could have a whole podcast talking about Riptide of last year and into this year. Uh, but, <laughs> like, going into it, it was very very nerve-wracking in the sense that trying to figure things out and smarter people than me you know shout outs to aaron um who is the event organizer of the event uh really spearheaded that endeavor and man that guy knows what he's doing uh, a little a super two second background on him you know became the head organizer of smash and splash after we all left 
formed. He's like, oh, there's a gaping water park sized hole in our hearts. It's like, where do we go? The Kalahari is the perfect spot. Let's go out to Ohio. They have some openings for us. Let's do it. We plan it for 2020. World shut down. World partially reopened uh in 2021 so we were like oh maybe maybe this is our shot planned it in 2020 we're like vaccines were on the horizon here we go 2021 comes around launch it i think it was april 1st is when we announced and uh just kind of were like by this point not only should everyone have the accessibility of vaccines but people should already have their vaccines and be in that window of immunity um that is safe enough that we felt like it wasn't going to be some irresponsible event. Uh, not, you know, not to say that we're smarter than the CDC or know anything like that, but it made sense to us that a post-summer event uh, lined up the best with, uh, you know, just kind of the Smash communities. Um, Priorities it, and how it, how, it, how it responds to the pandemic. Because the, exactly. the gaming, gaming space, it depends on which gaming your community you're in specifically, but I think Melee yeah. especially takes COVID pretty seriously, which is great. Awesome. It just means that we're trying to be as safe as possible. We'll wear the masks. We'll get the vaccines boosts. We'll do, we'll do all that because it's it, you're making everybody and yourself safer. So I don't understand why that's such a complicated concept I'm, to understand. I'm with you. <laughs> I'm with you. Yep. I mean, we've had people even at our local events that are like, oh, I haven't gotten my booster yet. And it's like, oh, your event's booster required? I'll get it today and they'll get it they have messaged me and sent me a picture of them at Walgreens or something like that. Like, got my booster today. I'll see you in mid lane. Like, okay, cool. So it's like melee changing lives in ways that they might not understand. But it's it's kind of cool. Nice little side effect. But aside from the registrants popping off right away, you also yeah. knew that this is going to be how how events look. And there's sort of this... Not that... Okay, so... It's not like Genesis 8, which was supposed to happen in January, or Main Stage 2021, which was about yeah. November of last year. It's not like those events were specifically saying, we're not going to plan anything until we see how Riptide goes. No, they were doing their own planning months and months and months in yes. advance. But I think on the community side, the, the public-facing side, there was going to be this, this expectation, whether it's fair or not, of like seeing how Riptide treats treats different things around the new reality that we have where the pandemic is still a thing but we're trying to make in-person happen uh, in-person events happen again especially the big ones that are major sized yeah. events and so i'm curious about what you either appreciated or did not appreciate about that challenge because like i said it didn't i would be surprised if any other tournament was saying let's just wait and see what happens with riptide it's just more of like i think the community side the people like me who were looking in and going how is this going to work and, and seeing what Riptide does to sort of be the first event back in that size? Yeah, I mean, it's intimidating. You know, when we when we broke the almost 3,000 person threshold, we're like, oh, man, we need answers uh, for a lot of questions. Uh, and it daunting in a lot of ways. You know, I we me and the other head TO, uh, TOs as well as event organizer toured the Kalahari before the event would happen. We toured it back in... I want to say in July, and obviously, you know, contracts are being signed and deals are being worked out at this point. But, um, you know, we, we saw the entirety of the space and we're like, we legitimately have enough space to make this feel like a, a spacious and comfortable and safe event. Um, and I think we accomplished that. For anyone that did attend Riptide, uh, the setups were very much spaced out in terms of the rows itself. Uh, 
the the main concerns are obviously the things that happen after the event, right? I can only do so much about yelling at someone and wear a mask in the event. That's as, that's as far as my control goes, right? The second you walk out of that ballroom and, you know, you're going to go share a cigarette with your friend or something like that, or you're going to go share a bottle uh, with your friend in their room, I can't do anything about that. It's like, of course, there are going to be COVID cases and realizing that uh, and your the extent of your you know limitations is just important to know. Um, we were prepared, I guess, to say uh, for what our expectations were, and I think we we surpassed even our expectations. We had very, very, very few confirmed COVID cases from Riptide, uh, and we were very happy about that. And I think that's a combination of both great work on our organization side, as well as our players showing up, being vaccinated, being safe, um, and just taking our you know, the, everything seriously. I, I had to yell at very few people throughout the event weekend to put on their mask or to, uh, you know, move away from that person or do something, right? It, it felt like everyone took it just as seriously as we were taking it, which a huge relief. So I'm, I'm very grateful for that. So I'm curious about uh, how it came to be that I think Jade and Contra were helping to TO this event. I remember at least Jade helping to TO the event. I was not there for the record, but I'm, yeah, I'm right. seeing all this stuff happening on Twitter, on Twitch and stuff. And uh, Jade, it seems that uh, I don't want to say take pleasure in yelling at people or anything, but just like just as anxious as you or as like taking everything as serious as you to make sure the mass protocols and everything else are being followed, which is cool. But since I've, I've, I've talked to with Contra and Jade different times, not at the same time on the podcast before. So big shout outs. I'm curious when you're, when you're looking around and saying, who else can we add to the team, to make this event as awesome as possible, not just in terms of how the, how the experience goes, but I would like to, I would like to be looking forward to seeing who I'll be working with at the event as well, assembling a team, if you will. Is that something that excites you when it comes to organizing a big event where you say, I get to pick people or look for people and find people to make a good team to make this event go well? And, and a large part of that being, we found the right people to do the right jobs. Yeah, I think uh, it's a good question. Uh, you know, I, w doing any larger event, I always have the idea of the A-team. Right. Like who who is on my staff <laughs> yes. that that I could if I fall dead right now, I know without a, a, a second of hesitation, they're going to roll my body under the table and they're going to become unsure. And so it's like, <laughs> that's what I need. And that's that's the kind of confidence. That's the 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 dedication that I need. And I think uh, Jaden Contra absolutely can do that. I mean, any of the T.O.s, if they all just crumple right now, like they'll just take over and they'll do great. Um, specifically on the melee side. Uh, I was I was fortunate enough to talk like work with a couple of different guys who I've I've worked with before both Killa Blue and Coin, um, Coin from Michigan and then Killa Blue from Champagne now in Chicago. Let's go Chicago. Uh, yeah. And these guys both have hosted their respective regional events. They've both hosted. Uh, Killa Blue has done um, you know Show Me Your Moves, House of Pain. Uh, Coin has done any crazy Michigan tournament you can imagine. Here be mid tiers literally so many other things the guy's done it all uh, and these guys i trust with my to life right like if if things go haywire they're right there to cover for me and they're going to do great in on the chicago side of it penicillin krillin who i hosted my first event with absolutely he could do the same job uh, if not better than anyone else that i know killer just completely laser focused on whatever objective given sleepyhead fluid 
um, you know, all these guys. Seriously, if, if any of those guys are on my team, not only would they be great as a team, but individually they'd all be fine. And th those are at least the people that I work with closely. Uh, and I'm sure with any other TOs, they'll have the same thought, right? They have their own teams of individual people that they're like, okay, this guy for sure is going to do great. Uh, and kind of moving that into where we are right now, it's like we have had so, I, I just, I've had the absolute fortune of just so many local people stepping up and just at local events um, wanting to help out, whether that's, you know, Larfin, Q, Pleba, you know, even Surskim shoutouts, uh, like, oval tenacity like these are people that before asked to do help they were asking how they can help uh and i think i think i mean that's that's the name of the game right like that's the scene is like someone's like how do i can i move this setup for you or like can i do whatever it's like yeah sure and those are the people that with just the right amount of tlc they'll do just <laughs> as good as job as anyone else and uh, what I loved hearing in this twit longer are people like Oval and Tenacity to help make sure that mid lane melee continues to happen. And something that I think is an underappreciated skill, or I mean, maybe it's not. I just I've said this so many times. Maybe people are starting to believe it in my in my <laughs> own brain. But finding the successor, or, or or training people up, finding people who are excited to help out and and helping to uh, water that water that spirit a little bit where they go wait hold on i'm toing this now wait oh what, what where are you going yeah i'm retiring yeah. now i've been toing events for plus years i'm good but you are are ready to go you've you've done this enough all right peace not that you did that to the to a t <laughs> but there's no. there's a certain amount of i want to say that this is a certain amount of hoodwinking because they're I, and you can talk about this in as much detail as you want, or if you don't want to get into how how TLing can be extremely extremely difficult to handle all the aspects of it at times. That it it's not like inviting someone to go to the Caribbean. When you invite <laughs> someone to TO, you're saying you're going to be responsible for an event that people are going to show up to, creating an atmosphere that is safe and welcoming, and and making them want to come back again making the melee as, as good as it can be, having the setups, as many of those as are, that are possible, following the rules, following guidelines. It's, it's not just show up slightly before everybody else and go home slightly after everybody else. Many things happen in between the event itself going through. And for a bigger event, like you said, I mean, plans for 2022 for Riptide, I'm sure you're already deep in the sauce for that, and that's not coming up for a while. So... When it comes to finding the people who are stepping forward and saying, oh, I'll help out with stuff, you clock them, of course, but how do you get to that part of the conversation where you go, how, how honest do I want to be right now? Should I wait a little bit to be more honest about it, or should I get them excited about TOing first before starting to say, uh, the exciting parts are still very exciting, <laughs> but there's also an unexciting or, or difficult parts of it, I should say. I think the answer to that is why I took so long to kind of take a step back. Um, I never want to hoodwink, right? I never want to trick someone into something that they think it's just going to be all sunshine and roses. Uh, because it's not. Like, there is a difference between running an, an event and there's a difference between being a community leader. Uh, and both have very different expectations. Uh, you can run an event totally fine, but you might not be a community leader, or it's like, or you could be a community leader and not run an event, or you could try to be both. Uh, I think 
there are less expectations when you're just running an event because you kind of everything just stops when you leave that room uh and that's totally okay um these two guys oval and tenacity have proven themselves in my opinion to be both and strong in a very strong regard have good backgrounds to kind of lead the community in a very forward light and i i'm just i'm stoked to see what they do uh a little background on them. They both went to my alma mater, DePaul, um, and I have gone to a couple of their events beforehand and saw how they do things. You know, they work as a team, just as you would see any doubles team, right? You see Android and Armada. They already know what they're going to do before it's already done. I see Tenacity look across the room, and Oval's already looking over there with the iPad, like, like I'm reporting it. I already got it. I got it. I got it. Uh, so, you know, they're working together seamlessly. And to see that kind of that bond or, like, duo... I think is really unique and really special. Uh, and I know that together, specifically, they will be able to handle kind of whatever comes their way. Uh, they've already, you know, there's already a couple things I think that have been a couple pitfalls uh, in terms of, you know, running an event and being a community leader that they've already done and they're tackling with, with ease. Um, and I'm still around, right? I'm working with them. I'm talking with them if there's any issues. Uh, and I'm always happy to help. I'll always be here. I'm not going to leave. Um, but I definitely want to take a step back uh, from that. I think it's I think it's complicated to kind of decide like when is the right time to go. But seeing that they were able to run their events and ha for them to have the passion that they do to run their own events as well as the passion that they bring coming to events, ask questions and uh, look for new things that they can implement into their own events. I love that. And those are things that NETO is looking out for. People who could take over, whoever want to help. Uh, and I'm sure every you know organizer has someone like that in mind. They're like, oh, I've seen this guy eyeing what they're doing. Like, <laughs> this guy, they're bringing that to their event. That's a good one. So I think they're, very, they're a good fit for the role. But it is different than even just a commentator, for example. You, you wouldn't let just anybody walk up to the mic and start talking there's like okay let me just get to know you a little bit you can't this is your first tournament you can't just like well. you know hop on the mic like go why not and 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 in the same way you it's uh, on, a, on an even bigger scale it's like this is your first event why do you want to start toing right away i need yeah. to see like some consistency out of you all that all that kind of stuff and I think that's what that's that's the biggest thing that you can do for someone who looks at the possibility of TOing or sees themselves functioning the best within the community from a TO perspective because that's a, that's another reason why people decide to do it as well because they are passionate about making an event come out of nothing or they're passionate about things running on time hey that's cool too <laughs> they're passionate about uh, like those kind of different aspects and so they go i could exist as a player or a content creator or a commentator or a to stream runner and whatever other roles come to mind but the one that i'm most interested in is toing and it is possible so for me that was that was the whole thing i i i was kind of trying to enter the IRLs back in the fall of 2021 for, for Lancaster for 717 Melee. And I was really happy to be able to finally go to events. Those, those, were, my, those were my first events going to ever for competitive Melee. After so long of not actually doing it, I was finally doing it. Hooray! Wait, why are they going away? Okay, it makes sense. Mm -hmm. new, new variants of COVID. Okay, but we'll be back in the spring, right? 
No. Mm-hmm. Oh no. And so you you can have not that exact story to those who are listening in, but you can still even still early on start to just say, "Hey, I can help set up the setup so I could tear down afterwards, move around chairs." And that's music to the TO's ears. It is. It is. Absolutely. Like saying, I could just sort of help with little, little stuff. And the more you do things like that, the more you will find yourself going, yep, I'll run the stream today. Oh, you will? Oh, that'll be nice. Okay, <laughs> yes, sure. You've done, you've looked over my shoulder enough. I'll let you take a, uh, a swing at it, all that kind of stuff. And that's why I love the grassroots aspect to it because because you don't necessarily have to be qualified with, with a resume or whatever. You can you can learn as you continue to be consistent. That's the biggest thing I feel is the consistency aspect. Yeah, yeah. And it, that's kind of one of the lessons that I, I'm, I'm looking forward to kind of passing on is like, it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to, you know, do something wrong. You're going to learn from it. It's like, I will, I will never forget like some of the biggest blunders I had of TOing, right? And like ruining someone's pool or you know when people came to be like i had a bad experience at this event and it's like those are things i will never forget and i'll always want to improve on and passing those on to other people's like hey it's it's okay if you make mistakes like you're gonna just have to learn uh and how to improve and you know accept it like you would a loss as you would a player right and it's like that might be the easiest thing to understand is like okay how do i learn from it how do i become better uh and just learn from your mistakes so you were talking earlier about watching a lot of like top players and when it comes to seating, this is something else that people get all up in arms on Twitter about. And I think to myself, is it better for the TO to just say, screw it and just pick one over the other while like with the mouse or with the touchpad <laughs> closing their eyes and going, you know what? Twitter's going to be on fire about this anyway. I don't care. This will save me at least time right now. Or is it more of like, ah, I should at least put a little bit of thought and effort into this. Talk about t- uh, seating yeah. a little bit if you want. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. So kind of, kind of in the, how, how it's, this is how it's made a little bit here. Um, most seating for big events at least is done by, uh, other teams, not necessarily always the head melee TO or the head TO itself. They're usually done by, and God bless them, shout out to Melee Stats, the, the largest shout out possible. It's like these guys are, if there is a shadow Illuminati of melee, these guys are, they're a secret Illuminati here. Uh, <laughs> we're awesome. Uh, these guys are great. You know, they're the most knowledgeable people easily in the scene, right? They're up to date on everything. Uh, and for several of my bigger events, I've definitely hopped in there and be like, who here has a little bit of time? Help me see this event. Let's let's work on it together. Um, and they just come through and they're like, not only do we, like, is that interesting, but it's like, we want to do it. It's like, thank you for offering. It's like, hey, you got it. Uh, <laughs> so it's a little easier to share that burden when people are like, oh, like, you, you seated me 62nd. I should actually be 60th seed. This is unacceptable. I'm boycotting. It's like, all right, I'm going to share the burden with a couple of you other guys at least. Um, <laughs> but for the super top players, there is some strategy to it. Um, in a bunch of different ways. I think number one is you want to, well, let's start at the, the, the highest possible level, like the, the biggest events. You want to make sure that there are, it is a fair bracket. I, this is one of the biggest complaints that I had when I first started playing Melee was our local scene and regional scene was not seated well when going to tournaments. It was always seed the top six guys more or less effectively and everyone else throw them in a random number generator and whatever comes out, comes out. Uh, and this is frustrating 
as a player trying to improve because when you have to play Kells round one and then I don't know fluid who got seated poorly into Sago and then Sago gets upset or fluid gets upset and now I in losers round two have to play fluid and then someone on the other side of the like bracket has all this bracket luck and gets to fifth place playing seven more matches I'm like well my ten dollars didn't go as far as his ten dollars right mm. even though we we lost to the same caliber of players so this is always a frustration of mine uh and the same thing goes at an even higher level so you go to a major level okay uh and you have someone seated inappropriately maybe i'll use a relatively recent example maybe um we'll use like J mook and like i don't know who would be like a comparable seed that would play him uh i'm so maybe no, I'm I'm like an even lower seed. Like if J Mook's like fourth oh, seed, okay. maybe someone like uh, Panda, right? Panda's a very good player. Yes. Uh, but if you don't seed Panda correctly, there's a very good chance Panda could beat J Mook or beat someone else on his way to J Mook or something like that, and it would disrupt the losers bracket and the winners bracket. So now you have a lopsided top cut bracket and a demon in the bottom part of the bracket. Uh, and so what you do is kind of that risk management, risk assessment of how you seed the bracket so that upsets can happen. But if they do happen, they don't ruin your entire bracket. Uh, and there are very careful ways to do that uh, and just seeding effectively, making sure that things, um, you know, look okay and spending the extra minute or two uh, on where people are placed so that, you know, the loser side of bracket is 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 done effectively. And going down then... Not even to like the lower level than the regional or the local level, these people are playing maybe weekly or monthly. It's like if you're playing the same person three times a week and then you're playing again at a regional, not only are you going to be frustrated that you're going to keep losing or beating this guy, you're going to be frustrated that your money is like, oh my God, I paid the same amount to lose to him at a different venue. It's like, what was the point? Um, and, and their experience is jaded because of this. Uh, so kind of what we've been doing at our local tournament is I will group people up in tiers. So there's like the Skurzo tier. He's number one, right? He beats everyone, so he's there. Maybe yes. we have Shabo, Ober, um, uh, a couple other players, you know, maybe DZ or, you know, player, players in this range. And I'll put them together, and then I'll shuffle their names in a hat and then place and seed them accordingly. Then I'll do that to the next level. Kill a blue forest, Azu, you know, Tranimal or something like that. Shuffle them in a hat, place them all here. So every week we have new unique matches. So even though it's not seeded 100% accurately, how I would do it accordingly to their win and loss rate, um, you get new matches, you get exciting matches, and you get a different experience pretty much every time. Uh, and I think that it makes the viewer experience a lot better. I think it makes the competitor experience a lot better. It makes people feel like they get a new experience every time. Uh, and you got to keep it fresh. Otherwise, people aren't going aren't gonna to return. And how do you react to an axe losing to secrets in pools? That, was, uh, that one is a fun one. So that one I was... Uh, there's a couple ones. So that's the, two, the two thoughts I had uh, were Flash at Riptide and then Secrets. We had known that Axe was kind of a little wishy-washy coming from COVID, not having played a lot. So we're like, uh, you know, we don't know what's going to happen. Secrets, absolutely monster Fox on box. Like, he's just great. But his specialty is Pika. And, you know, we didn't know that going into it. And it's like, that's totally okay. Upsets can happen. Um, and so Axe disrupted the bottom part of the bracket. And it's going to happen. 
and you need to mitigate it. So if of all of Riptide, I mean, there were only two, I think, huge upsets like that, which was Flash doing incredibly well at a ninth place run uh, and then Secrets beating Axe. I, I really don't think there's that much else. I'm sure that there's a... What's that site? Man, there's a great site to see the visualizer of uh, upset factors of a tournament. I'll see if I can find it later. Oh, but it's, it's, it's probably great. PG Stats. I hear PG Stats it's, talk about upset factors all the time on Twitter. It's not PG Stats, and I'll find it later and I'll send it to you. It's it's a really cool way that visualizes a lot of Smash data that isn't PG Stats, but it pulls it pulls data from Smash GG and shows like seeds, uh, like uh, say like this person is this seed and they lost to this seed. It does this. It just pulls it from the, the API is similar to how Smash GG or uh, PG Stats would do it. And so <laughs> one of the things that one of the things that I think other than other than seeding that potentially being in a, an annoying thing is is mm -hmm. finally just in terms of enticing the best players to go to those big events. But maybe you could keep it to something like um, hold that line seven, or hold that L. Wow. Yep. Hold, the, hold that <laughs> L seven where jflex is the player being flown out and 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 doing a very nice bracket getting the grand final winner side and then ben just is just stomping into okay. the into grand finals from losers and and wins so sorry yes. spoilers but <laughs> but i'm sure that jflex was super excited about going out and i'm and i'm hoping that's more of the more ideal circumstances right but then there are other times where the top player is saying oh yeah 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 mm -hmm, that sounds fun yeah when is it again uh yeah, why don't you just message me closer to the event and you go, uh, okay, and then this, this story this story of my career big big <laughs> challenge right? Uh, what what are things that you tell yourself to comfort yourself in the in those times of going, really I I could just do so much right now and you're <laughs> the one who's holding me up but I need you to be here because it's yep. it's obviously our players make it more hype. Yeah yeah I I mean the. The, the answer is there is no world in which I am composed about when a top player ghosts me. And I'm like, I'm literally giving you free money to fly you out, house you, and have you win my tournament. It's like, I, you just got to kind of go yell in a room. You got to, God bless those CRTs. Maybe I got to go break one of those guys, though. I'm going to go oh, to the destruction no. room or whatever. But like, <laughs> it, there, there is nothing more frustrating. And this has been my entire Melee career of getting someone out to an event that I know will enjoy it. Uh, and you just can't peel these players out of their out of their rooms, right? When melee is accessible as it is, and they're comfortable, mm -hmm. and they you know they're coming off a long, um, maybe a long time playing, and it's like they just don't want to go. And then the event happens, and they're like, ah, I should have gone. It's like I know. It's like I've been telling you this. So it's like for the most recent hold that out, I had seven top 100 players ghost me after telling them i will fly you out i have people in our community that literally want to pay for your flights it's like they, they want to do it and they're like oh yeah, yeah yeah i'm interested and i'll message them six times in a row and be like hey i just want to make sure we have like a, a month until the event are you still interested three weeks two weeks nothing 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 and i'm like well i did as best as i could and it's like i know stuff comes up uh but i also plan my events the bigger ones hold that out when I know that there is a lapse in events in that point. So it's like that this is the sweet spot window. You don't have any other obligations for other events. I'm not hosting over another large event. I'm hosting strategically so you can come out and you don't feel like you're missing out. Uh, so it's it's a bit frustrating and I wish I could tell the other TOs that there's an answer, but there, there just isn't. Uh, money doesn't get them out there. 
cool things don't get them out there. They just have to decide if the moon is aligned with, you know, in a Mercury's in retrograde or whatever. I don't know how top players decide to go to events, but <laughs> that's how they do it apparently. So when you see when you see uh, another TO, this will be hopefully the last TO question that I'll ask. But I probably as many as you want. Okay, but <laughs> when when you when you see another event that is around the size of a regional or a, a, the size event that you like running, uh, aside from the weekly, the 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 local weeklies, and the, yeah. that kind of pops off, if you will, and people are joking major and that kind of <laughs> and that kind of stuff. How how does that affect you? Because of course. Pride is a big part of why why we do anything within the the community because we're not being paid to do to, yeah. to, 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 on a, on a big scale to be able to support ourselves and go full time toing or full time content creation. Very small list of people. The rest of us, meanwhile, a lot of it is passion and pride. So, I mean, for me, when I see other melee related podcasts pop off, I go, "Oh, that's really cool." And I have to remind myself that that they did the work that it takes to actually get to that spot. And I did not, and it's all good. Sometimes I have to tell myself that. Thankfully, it's not super often. But the stakes are not very high for me. I'm just curious for you where I would say the stakes have been higher for you in terms of events that hundreds of people go to. So, And for, for Hold That L7, it was over 200 or nearly 200 entrants, right? Yeah. So just talk to me about when you, when you get to have that event compared to the other events, the other hold that L's or other regionals that you've tried to host and maybe they didn't do quite as well or however you felt what that was like for you. Yeah, it's it's always it's always a journey to um to convince people to sign up. Uh the secret is definitely to message the leaders of each carpool kind of thing, right? It's like this is this only happens after you've been running stuff long enough. You know who drives the car. You know who's the leader of the group chats, right? You're like, I know that guy right there. He's <laughs> going to spearhead this pool right now. I know it. Um, and the other kind of thing is giving people objectives. Uh, whether you know or not they're going to go to your event, you kind of goad them into being like, hey, I need you for this event. Can you bring setups? And very quickly that becomes, yes, and I'll also bring my three friends who will also help carry these setups in. Um, not i don't think as much in the modern era people are as interested in going just because the top player is going they want to know that it has been proven to be a good event maybe it's in a cool place or maybe it's just easy for them to get to i think four or five years ago six years ago what what years 2022 seven years ago now at this point when top players were truly not as accessible they weren't streaming they weren't really active on twitter as much um they felt more as like on a pedestal or these figureheads in the in the shadows now that these players are as accessible as they are uh it's not as much as an interest to get them to go to events however at this point uh when you've kind of built yourself up a little bit more and you're a reputable event these top players are going to come naturally because of that so are the lower level players because they're like okay well ginger um likes this event or ben likes this event why do they like an event? If a top player likes it, surely I will like it as well. And then they'll come out. So it has this kind of get the little fish to attract the big fish, bring in a big fish to eat up the little fish, and the little fish are like, oh, that big fish is kind of cool. I'm going to be like that guy one day. <laughs> so you kind of have this play off of that. So you have to find that sweet spot of attracting the right people to go to the event and also encouraging them to go with you know, the, the good players. The good players are going to attract the mid-level players the lower level players are going to go like, I want to beat the mid-level players, mid-level, you know, big fish eats the medium, medium fish and whatever and so on. <laughs> um, but it's, 
it's always an adventure to try to build that up and up and up and hold that all. Yeah, it was it was the biggest regional I've hosted, um, about two hundred people, which was awesome. Uh, and it's funny, it, it was is close to my first event, my first hold that all, which was one hundred and eighty four entrance, I believe. So my first hold that all was a little smaller, just barely than my last hold that all. So it's it's cool to see it kind of come full circle. Uh, and stay in that relatively consistent area. I think the lowest we had was about 100 entrants for Hold That L, uh, which was a bit small, uh, but I think that was just a little bit of poor planning on my end, and you know, maybe it could have done some things in the future, you know, pushing people to get out more. Uh, but you know, maybe there's burn, you know, burnout or bad hosting time. Maybe it was a bad time of the year. There's so many factors that come into play. And you have to somehow take on account of all of them because if somebody comes to you and says you weren't paying attention to something, the first instinct is to go, no, no, I was paying attention to that. <laughs> and when you have the receipts, glorious, glorious vitriol. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> and so uh, another question about playing Melee. One of the things you were saying, by the way, earlier about top players, you, you wouldn't be able to play them because you would have to go to a tournament to be able to do that. But then... You get to play against a lot of top players on unranked if you recognize their smurf unranked tag or if they're just <laughs> rocking it loud and proud and you go oh this is fun or you're playing against someone and you go i don't know the tag but uh, this feels like a top <laughs> player right now because i'm getting run over so who's who would you say is you don't have to put like a cutoff to when i say high level player that can be it doesn't have to be scurzo or higher that kind of thing sure but who is a, a, a melee master, if you will, melee online tag or role, I should <laughs> say, who, who you get to play uh, every once in a while or, or often and the, who you enjoy playing against, who helps you to be able to feel that speed, the, the high level melee player speed? Yeah, someone who I, oh man, I wish I, I, wish I was in his region a little bit more, uh, but SFAT is someone that every major that I go to, we always just kind of, align just somehow like kind of we just always end up at the same setup you know moving one setup down and down down to each other um <laughs> and he, he's absolutely one of my favorite people not only to play but just in general he's genuine he's he's kind and he was one of the very first people at one of my earliest events that gave me a great piece of advice um when i was struggling to find find ways to improve while playing people at like lower levels. I was starting to get pretty good at the game and everyone around me was more or less a casual uh, player. And I kind of sat down next to SFAT at Eden and was like, SFAT, like, I admire you. You're awesome. You're a great Fox. Uh, what, what advice do you have for me for someone that plays as you do people much lower than, you know, your level, how do you learn and grow um, while playing those people? And he just was like, you just find little things every match to work on, right? Kind of treat them as like a really smart bot, uh, but you know, ultimately respect that they're options. It's like they're thinking just as you are thinking, and like they're they're figuring things out on their own. There's always something you can learn from every kind of player. They all offer some great piece of insight, and I've just kind of always thought about that. Um, and he always has just little nuggets of information. Him and Coach Bobby. Uh, you know, I got to sit down and talk with them. We went out and grabbed some food at Riptide. It's like I had a little bit of time to kind of hide away. And, you know, I, I was lucky enough to catch up with both of those guys and talk about their game plans for top eight the next day when he had to fight. And they're like, I'm going to beat him. It's like, and then he did. He destroyed him. And it's like we, we knew before the day had even come that, you know, he was prepared for it. 
Uh, and he's someone that I really look up to and admire. Um, but then next is definitely Kalindi, KJH. I love that guy. Always super nice, humble, um, and just just someone who is just a, a great figurehead in his own right for all foxes. Um, my brother actually does some, he works with him a little bit on some software engineering stuff. They've been kind of going back and forth on that. And my brother Net plays him kind of every now and then with him. And so seeing my brother learn from him uh, while Net playing and then me playing my brother is funny. It's like I get to see a mini Kalindi going around at a much <laughs> lower level. And I'm like, he does that. I'm like, I, I know what Kalindi does there. I'm like, I've seen this before. It's just you look a little different than him. So, <laughs> um, But it's 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 great. So, I mean, it's both these players as well as so many others. Moki, I mean, I've housed Moki before. and. The sweetest guy in melee. Like there, there are. I could talk endlessly on how many connections I've made, and how nice some of these people are. And I, I just honored to know them. And I have to say, unfortunately, that we are running up against it in terms of time for me. Yeah. I yeah could ask you so many more questions, <laughs> and I'm sure maybe we'll get you back on at some point. But sure. for the time being, please tell the people where they can find you and any other shoutouts that you would like to make, closing thoughts, all that stuff. Well, thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate it. It's been great. Um, you know, I, I look forward to seeing who else is on the podcast. This is, it's just a great experience. So I appreciate you picking my brain for a little while and, and I'm happy to be here. Uh, honestly, you could just follow Chicago Melee, see what they're up to. <laughs> um, no real need to follow me yet. Maybe when I'm top 100, you can check out whatever I'm doing. Um, but a super quick shout outs to Oval, Tenacity, and then Matt Popa. Um, these guys are the future of Chicago. And I have no doubt in my mind that they are going to take it bigger and better than whatever you've already seen. Um, I, I haven't touched on him yet, really, but Matt, a little bit quieter of a person. Uh, but seriously, like, if, if he was not around, Chicago would not be what it is. He does everything for the stream and, you know, running the media, the website. If you've not seen ChicagoMelee.com, please go look at ChicagoMelee.com. It is a masterpiece. Um, so shout out to those guys and you know thank you again for having me on and of course all the links in the description below to find this sort of thing chicagomelee.com that sounds like a great that sounds like a great url to throw in there go and check that out and then for me just to remind you all the ones who were saying fob controller giveaway who yes. were actually here for the whole time big shout outs <laughs> to you basically by the time this episode comes out, the giveaway will be happening. It will be live. If you go to at BSM pod on Twitter, and that's in the link that the description and podcast thing as well, you go there, you'll find a tweet probably pinned and it's giveaway. You just follow me or uh, follow BSM pod and at Borg technology who collabs with me. Shout out to Hoborg, New Jersey player, and now superior modder of the earth is it, we we did this whole giveaway thing for this fob controller you can own part of the future and have consistent inputs for free because i'll ship it to you if you win the contest by following retweeting that kind of thing you'll 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 see when you go there and other than that i'm all set to go so thank you all for joining us and i'm sure don't you go anywhere just yet we have to do the outro thing but yes to all the viewers and listeners thank you for joining me on bottom smash mountain and to you as well i'm sure thank you so much for your time Thank you very much.